welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the only book club podcast that does not smell like a corpse flower. I've got a nice candle Thank lit. Goodness. I went with I went with pumpkin spice scent, which I think it's kind of a bad rap. <laughs> Are you over the pumpkin spice trend? I just I I do love the smell of pumpkin. It's just so good. Well, I, I think I the could... the complaint I would have is that the pumpkin spice kind of flavor craze has very little to do with pumpkins. It's all about cinnamon. It's all about, what is it? Cinnamon, ginger, allspice. I forget the combination, but it's all about that Mm -hmm. combination of, you know, it's kind of like warm spices basically. Yeah. Yeah. As long as like, I find vanilla to be the most overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to balance that out for sure. But this candle I have is it's okay. It's not a world breaking candle, you know, not an all timer, but it's solid. And so at least it doesn't smell like blue cheese and death. Oh, thank God. (laughs) The two things I worry about the most, no question. Do you have a candle lit for the occasion? Uh, Sure, I've got a sage one. Oh, okay. That's a classic (laughs) scent, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, not blue cheese. No, no, I also don't like to eat blue cheese, so... Gotcha, 100% out then, on the whole trend. (laughs) Makes sense, makes sense, that's fair enough. If you have no idea why we're discussing blue cheese and the smell of death, that is because you've stumbled upon a book club episode for the essay collection World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments by Amy, I did not practice this beforehand, Nizuka Matil, or is it... Nizuku Matatil. Oh, I forgot the other ta. So, okay. So, <laughs> Nizuku Matatil. Sorry about that. Uh, last name spelled N E Z H U K U M A T A T I H L, in case you're looking up the book or doing some searching online for it. You have stumbled upon, as I already mentioned, a book club episode which will be spoiler filled. Today, we'll be discussing and again, spoiling, analyzing, doing a full breakdown of the first 14 essays. They are pretty short. This is a really brief work, which begins with Catalpa, or is it Catal Catalpa? Catalpa tree? <laughs> yeah. A lot of science words in this book. I will not know how to pronounce. Just saying that at the front or at the beginning. And then ending with calendars poetica, which I think is probably Latin or Greek or something. If you have no idea who we are, we thank you for joining us and, you know, welcome you into our little book club we've got going on here. We are, as I mentioned, the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram under that account name, all one word. So just at the Lightly Literary Podcast. Give us a follow there. If you found us on iTunes or Spotify, or anywhere else with ratings we always appreciate a, a rating and a review if you like the show and if you think you found this episode an error like you haven't read this book or don't want to hear us discuss and spoil these essays <laughs> then feel free to go find the book recommendation in the feed or maybe just poke around for a different book because our feed has all the books we've ever covered and so yeah feel free to poke around at your leisure anything before we jump in amanda you chose it do you want to set it up Sure. I um I was looking around the bookstore and I was just like looking for something that was nonfiction because my go to is usually fiction. Right. So I was like, right. mm, I wonder, you know, and and the cover really drew me to it because I was like, wow, that looks really cool. And then I saw that it was like a staff member like was saying that this is like a really great read, and I was like, okay, so. I, I picked it up because mm-hmm. it was recommended by the bookstore staff and it had a beautiful cover and it was nonfiction. Yeah, let's not act like we're all like we're too proud here to ignore nice covers. 
I yeah. too am drawn in. It's we can ignore that old cliche. I guess it's yeah. not judgment, but it's okay to be lured. <laughs> and yeah, I also enjoy. I think the staff recommend sections of a bookstore are one of the kind of nice. Is that kind of a modern touch? I don't know. I feel like I've only started to see that in the last like five to ten years of my bookstore shopping. But yeah, for sure, it's a great addition. So stick with yeah, the pros. You know, Mm -hmm. they tend to know. Okay, well, let's not hold back any longer. We're going to approach this essay collection kind of like we do with short story collections, which is that we're just going to pick at the things we want to. We're not going to discuss every essay. These are extremely brief. If you've read them, you know that. If not, if you're just listening and you haven't read, these essays are really short. So we will do a summary of them and then we'll do our analysis and stuff after. But yeah, we're not going to discuss all 14. It would just take too long. And I think we picked the ones we wanted to. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You did choose. Okay. You want me to? Yeah. Okay. I don't think I put mine in order as they appeared. Did I? I don't actually know. You did not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my bad. I was just flipping through. <laughs> but the touch-me-nots was, was before the other two. It's just that you switched cool. the order of the last two that you Excellent. chose. Excellent. Okay. Well, let's start with the touch-me-nots. Um, this essay is pretty brief. I think it's only two pages. It is essentially an informational piece. It is. It kind of reads like a fun encyclopedia entry, I would say, like a little more inventive and playful. But it's basically just about the touch-me-not plant, which is unique because essentially it's chemical process properties. It has some kind of, I should probably look this up. It's in the book. (laughs) She does a pretty good job explaining the science of things, but it has some kind of chemical property that help it shelter and kind of curl up and protect itself from predators. So it kind of looks like a plant that when you touch it, it like recoils and protects itself. I think from ants or some other kind of, isn't that the predator? It's worried about the plant Yeah, getting eaten by ants. Um, Then at the end of the essay, there is a turn and it is, it has a one page or almost, I think it might even be just a one paragraph reflection, something like that about how she wishes that at times in her life she had the qualities of this plant uh, and essentially doesn't want unwanted male attention or even like harassment it kind of implied that there was some sexual harassment in her life and that she yeah wanted to kind of I don't know emulate this plant or be like this plant I don't know if that that's a good summary <laughs> I'm not really yeah. sure how else to word it um Let's dig in. So one thing that will become clear, though I think I'm spoiling a, a final segment by saying this, is that I think you like this book a lot more than I do. So <laughs> I will say that I chose, I do think you chose a couple of the ones I liked the most, so that when mm-hmm. I saw that, my recourse was to pick the ones then that I really did not like, and then hopefully we can unpack them together. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can mm-hmm. work these things out. Uh, for example, I think this essay is straight up very bad. Like, oh, interesting. like very, okay. very bad. So, and let's just take it on these terms. Perhaps I'm putting an unfair lens or an unfair kind of qualification on it. If I asked you what a like effective or good, and often these, this topic, because it's just so intense, is painful. But like, if I asked you what an effective or interesting or thoughtful or painful essay about unwanted sexual attention would be, would it feel or be anything like this? This feels really shallow to me. And the connection between the plant and her own life felt extremely unexplored. And frankly, like, I was almost shocking. It's almost like amateurish. Like, it, it feels like she had one thought, jotted it down, but then never followed up. Like, this just... And granted, it, she's trying a really hard thing, which is these micro essays. She doesn't give herself mm-hmm. 10 pages to explore something. She gives herself two pages. So, I'm left... I mean, granted, 
I guess it's kind of the effect that poetry is meant to have, but the transition, the ending, it, it's very shallow. Like, it's very simple observations. Was there mm-hmm. some language in here I'm missing? Something that really stru- stuck with you? Um, no, just I, I liked the connection at the end as a general, like, big idea. The, the theme of, like, it, it fits with her overall theme, which is, like, her experiences as a as a brown woman, right? She calls herself brown as as an um a woman of of uh different backgrounds, right? She's Filipino, she's Indian. Um and she grew up in in mostly towns that didn't have a whole lot of uh people who were not just all Americana. Um I like that this this one was way more broad i think in terms yeah so i have to immediately push on that the things you just listed where do those show up in this essay it didn't show up in this essay yeah it's in the other one so this one i think is more of a general like just the experience of being a woman um as far as the the harassment that doesn't other people who haven't experienced it like men might not see it as harassment but for us to constantly be approached as though we want to be approached right it's not yeah this is a classic case where i couldn't be more on board with the idea was there a part of the list at the end that like moved you or you found interesting or it just reads like a list of i just don't see the inventiveness or creativity in it and again the like taking the basic idea of this extremely interesting natural phenomena, then trying to twist it into your life like, excellent, of course, nature metaphors are some of the richest of all. How does she do that, though? There's no transition. There's no exploration of the peculiarities of the plant. It's just this one idea that then she just dumps a list of really terrible things that have happened to her, presumably at the end. I just don't see the creativity or the interest in it, like literally at all. I don't, again, like any lines jumping out, any imagery I'm like missing or something. Uh, no, I mean, she does compare it to, um, like the way that it's, uh, like the second to last paragraph. She says that touch me nots, even though they're beautiful, they're actually like, uh, and some people find it really appealing. They're actually a um, an invasive yeah, like a species weed. that can take over gardens and like it can um, stifle other plants and stuff. Right. And then she moves into the even the broader idea of like uh, how women are approached um, in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. The, the line treated. reads. I mean, I should just read the transition. I keep talking yeah. about it. Uh, how I wish I could fold inward and shut down and shake off predators with one touch. What a skill, what a thrill that would be. Touch me not on the dance floor. Don't you see my wedding ring? And then there's a list of like, touch me not opening sentences after that. Right. I, I think she, this is something I'll come back to in the other sections too. I imagine. I think she writes pretty interestingly and, and kind of, um, this can't be an adverb, but fun, funly. <laughs> She writes well yeah. about about <laughs> plants and nature. Like it's, mm-hmm. I think that her nature stuff. It almost seems like this should be a kind of planet Earth companion. Let's get a creative poet writing about the beauties. I, I guess like a lot of times in these essays, when her life comes into it, it does not feel earned. Not in that it didn't happen or that it's not worthy of discussion. The the connection with nature very rarely seems interesting or earned to me. It feels kind of slapdash a lot of the time. And again, it's like. 
this plant has this qual like I get the connection, but I guess I'm just left shrugging being like, oh, that was that's it. Like, OK, there. Yeah, I, the, I, there, it just doesn't feel deep or like, again, creative beyond a very quick comparison. And I mm-hmm. just thought and I guess, you know, being a poet, she, she seems like a trained professional poet. She mentioned she's a, also a creative writing um, professor, too. But anyway, Jeez, so yeah. I think maybe it has it's meant to have the effect of poetry in in its brevity in its kind of open-endedness those connections i just wish the language was more interesting then because i i just I, like i said some of the lines in here about the actual like you said the weed revelation um i think there was kind of a funny line about like her parents laughing about that how did they how did she word it i forget i'm just looking at it oh yeah woe to those who decide to plant it in their front yard uh the touch me not is best considered a whimsical houseplant and that's it unless you find yourself somehow cavorting with cobras it can be used as a neutralizer for venom so it's like yeah that's a fun little twist and cavorting you know it's a good you know good little rhyme i just like that's the nature side and again i think she makes this the facts of nature kind of i don't know fun to read about we'll get to that list at the end too (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah i so far have found a lot of the personal connections pretty slapdash kind of shallow and i find myself shrugging at a lot of them um that yeah so anyway that was just an example i pulled for that any other what else from this essay do you want to talk about anything else jumping out no, I think in general, maybe the one of the reasons that I, I like this maybe a bit more than, than you do is um, I find personal connections for me growing up Asian American and um, female. So, and, and in around the same time that she grew up. So like, I, I think I, it resonates more with me because I identify more with her um, but I do also like she does with some of these comparisons, like she she compared um, this to Miss Havisham's garden from Great Expectations. And then in the very first paragraph, she does also compare it to um, a spherical lavender pink flowers, which bloom only in summer and look as if someone crossed a My Little Pony doll with a tiny firework. Like I mm-hmm. enjoy some of those little references and stuff i'm like oh yeah that's i like that imagery yeah it's as if she writes cute nice imagery about nature and does it well i I just (laughs) i am finding the transitions to be like stunningly amateurish and like the connections are just not that i don't know i i think there's a real interesting thing in here about like let's get her on a one-year what do they call it sabbatical like a nature Mm -hmm. tour where she has like an immersive kind of nature lifestyle i don't know like there's a version of this book i think i would love i don't Mm -hmm. think the autobiographical version is rocking with me though you know let's dig into another essay and find out because there's you know personal connections in all of them um throw let's do yours next and throw one out there yeah, um, I did the one that's called Peacock. Um, mm-hmm. This essay focuses on the author's love of peacocks, which she associates with her paternal grandparents' home in southern India. In third grade in Phoenix, Arizona, her teacher announces an animal drawing contest, and when the author, um, Nizuku Matatil, turns in her peacock picture, the teacher makes her redo the project because the animals must be American 
animals, which is confusing to the author since she's definitely seen peacocks in America before. Side note, I did look it up, and they mm-hmm. are not native to the United States, but there are wild peacocks in several states. Yeah, I think California is one of them, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Ooh, I could see Florida. That's, you know. Yes, Miami area, they're, like, getting overrun with them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're here. They're not mm-hmm. native, but now they are there are wild ones um Mm -hmm. in response the author draws a giant bald eagle with an even bigger american flag (laughs) um feeling a kind of almost shame at having been called out she lashes out at her family about the peacock decor later that day which they promptly remove in response turns out she won the contest for most patriotic picture hilarious um but in the process she lost confidence in herself and pride in her heritage so she pretended to hate anything related to peacocks the color blue and her heritage until well into adulthood Mm -hmm. so that's that's the story yeah where should we start oh um good question um so what I liked about this in particular was I I just liked the story I was like yeah it's it's when when it's funny how not funny but it's just how teachers speak to us and and, and adults speak to us as children mm-hmm. and call us out on stuff i mean like the effect that it has on us is just yeah i i, I often think I, I think that a lot of people don't realize when they're talking to children how much children actually do ingest and take it to heart mm-hmm. and internalize that information and it can really affect their self-perceptions. And I think that that's a major theme throughout this collection is um, how the perceptions of others can negatively or even positively, depending, affect the perception of yourself and really affect your confidence in yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's it is easy to forget when you're just a frustrated, cranky adult. <laughs> how frustrated, yeah. cranky... Now, granted... This adult wasn't just frustrated and cranky, but was like jingoistic and racist, debatably. So (laughs) it's a different, maybe a different problem with that adult, you know what I mean? But yes, that's definitely true. It was a extremely offensive, really strange assignment by that teacher. But yeah, and and was not clarified at the beginning that it had to be a bird native to America, right? She only made that comment after... Um, after an, the author wrote on the paper that the peacock was the national bird of uh, India, right, and then right. after she drew the peacock, and then in front of the entire class, calls her out by name and says she did it wrong because she didn't do an American animal. Definitely, it's such a I, this one I enjoyed a lot for the rich twist. Of course, you highlighted this, but that she wins the contest. Of course, of course, is just kind of a perfect conclusion. You know, as she says, um, the, uh, my ridiculous, overly patriotic eagle drawing had won first place. It will be displayed in the giant glass trophy case right outside the principal's office. I will always hurry past it on my way to class. So you know, not really a vic- talk about a pyrrhic victory or whatever. Term. <laughs> Talk about a non-victory victory. Yeah, and the shame of it. I thought the resolution with her dad... Uh, but, you know, I guess I shouldn't bring up the same quibble in every essay, which is just in their brevity, they leave things out that I'm curious about. But the the shame of her father and that turn of, like, 
completely changing the decor of their house in a night, I guess, and not really showing the argument, or if they, it seems like they didn't even really argue about it. He just kind of immediately felt the shame and, and changed for her. How do you read that? I mean, I guess, and we do have other essays, so we know a bit about her parents, right? We don't have to, I guess we don't have to treat these essays like they're siloed, um, which I was kind of doing with the first essay, but do any thoughts on her father in this scene, in this story? I, I, the reaction of the father in that, it reminds me of my my own mother I remember a couple of times like because I would be picked on for having a Korean mother and stuff like that and you know she would do things or decorate things and, and you know like we had things that were not American right and um, so I remember having a similar thing where I would like lash out at my mom about something and right. she would she would not get in my face about it she wouldn't argue with me about it or anything like that she would just be very hurt but try to hide it and then she would change whatever I was complaining about and I feel so guilty about it now but like mm-hmm. his reaction to that the and the fact that she didn't really go much in depth for with that didn't it, it's like yeah that's exactly how my mom reacted kind so it, a, it didn't yeah. like jar me very much kind of like a quiet shame i I think it leaves obviously room to interpret it that way and i think he comes across in some of the other essays too as sort of a kind of gentle but also present father who's kind of you know there's a little essay when they go hiking a bit and he's clearly trying to like educate them show them interesting things show them the world um so yeah i think it paired with some of the other ones it it like a, again I'll probably come back to this almost like a refrain but it, it felt a bit abrupt but I also think yeah the, just the turn with the essay contest and her explaining the shame of it and her teacher being you know like so aggressively racist about it it yeah I thought it was a well done little scene I, I also think I mean it's telling this story has like stages it has some intimate details to it has some specificity the first essay has none of that it has a big old list at the end that i don't even i couldn't even i mean we assume it's all based on her life just because the way it was phrased but even then it's like i couldn't really tell if they happened to her if these are just things that she like views as threats in the touch me like it, it just there's a distance there this one does not have that it's like a clear episode of her life so Right. More interest for right. me. This is m- way more personal to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's more niche. Yeah. What the, else? Um, I I noticed too what I what I picked up on as far as like her the style here um, is the difference with uh, which she she has the the peacock drawing versus the bald mm-hmm. eagle drawing. Yes. I love that she. Um, the way that she describes the drawing for the peacock is like it's it's so vibrant, it's so full of life, it's so like right. there's so many flourishes, there's blues, there's violets, there's these little details, and then with the bald eagle one that she won, it's the most like boring picture for her, and right. the color Beige. is even sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. like sepia, the saddest sepia that she could oh, find yeah. in her crayon box, and and it's like the details were like non-existent, and it was just overly done. Right. right? She made the the flag giant, and she made the eagle's nest and eggs super giant. Everything was just big, but not right. not detailed. 
And so I thought that that was great to show like the how rich, especially if we think of the peacock drawing as like symbolic of her heritage and her pride in her heritage and oh, yeah. and the love that she has for these animals and for um, the people that she associates with these animals, which is her paternal grandparents, is so rich and vibrant and beautiful. And then to <laughs> to turn it over to this bald eagle, which is her, yeah. her, her country where she was born and raised and she's living in and her parents chose to be here. And it's like... Just get ready to you can slap thing. that thing on a pickup truck, Amanda. It's ready to go. Bigger, <laughs> bigger the better. <laughs> There's no, yeah. it's no, it's no doubt why it won. I mean, who's confused about this? She made it bigger. <laughs> she wins, you know. Yeah, but I thought that was just a great contrast and and really symbolically m- meaningful, and I just really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice going from like you said, yeah, intricate, beautiful. You know, to something just, yeah, I mean, when you can't make it nice, make it big. I mean, that's the (laughs) the American way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's great. Any other thoughts on the Peacock essay? Uh, nope, I think I'm All good. right, well, I guess we'll just keep going in order back and forth then. Why not? I, this is where I think I went out of order. Um, also, pronunciation. Yeah. I thought this was macaw, but I think that might be a different animal. Is it macay? Macaw? I don't, I don't know. I thought, because I think Ma- I, I thought I'd heard of a monkey before pronounced macaw. But I think this might be macaque or macaque. Forest dwelling old world monkey. I just looked it up in Google Dictionary, of course. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, it yeah, looks it's like macaque. Yeah, it looks like macaque. macaque. Okay, so yeah. the bonnet macaque. This is the essay on that. Uh, Amy and her husband are on their honeymoon in southern India, where a lot of her family's from, and they are doing a trip on a boat. It seems like a river boat, right? Not ocean. I mean, they get jumped on, so it must be river. Um, and their boat that they're in is suddenly invaded, but they don't know by what. It's a bit of a mystery. They take refuge in their room and they wait for the boatmen who are working the ship obviously and preparing their dinner to kind of save them from some force lurking on the roof a mysterious you know danger force as it turns out it is an obese wildcat that had jumped on board which was seeking refuge from a group of uh, macaque monkeys hanging out and heckling in the surrounding trees they make a kind of like laughing sound and kind of it almost it's almost like they're heckling them or something kind of like laughing at their expense and then the so the essay concludes with a few laughs from all those on board and they kind of like go back in their room and and just chuckle about it and then there's also some uh reflection about her marriage at the end as well so it's a story of monkeys laughter and marriage amanda the classic three the holy trinity (laughs) um do you mind if i again start at the conclusion you'll notice a trend of things that i find that i'm not connecting with here (laughs) which is uh the conclusions of some of these so there we go i just found it it's a pretty humorous story and i kind of like the mystery i thought maybe some of the tension I, I didn't feel like it built up a, a mood of real intense mystery or tension but there was some stuff i was like okay i'm, I'm interested in this uh, the concluding paragraph though which i'll probably just read in full uh, on 77 reads like this uh Bennett mccox remind me how good it felt to laugh to keep laughing in love to make my love laugh to let my laughter be from a place of love the last thing i remember hearing that night was a distant meowing and chatter like laughter and i swear somewhere in the backwaters of kerala those bonnet mccocks are still having a good laugh over us a couple trying to navigate that wild jungle those even wilder early days of this thing called marriage 
okay. So I do like the twist in the sentences at the beginning, though it feels a little Pinterest um, wall decor to me. <laughs> some, <laughs> some maybe not the most in- interesting reflections for me about love and different ways to phrase that you're in love. But I, you know, I like the sentence structure a bit. I, the conclusion, though, again, I'm left very baffled by what I just read. They're in a wild jungle of love. Like it's a charming, basically nothing story about them getting this like jungle cat jumping on their boat where's the jungle where's the where's anything about their marriage there's no like he's very helpful in the story and they have a brief exchange about what's going on and that's it i just i read that stuff and i'm like where's the essay about the jungle days of early marriage and love i'm not asking for tormented conflict or something but it's just the laughter part i guess i kind of got because it was like yeah they had this little monkey um peanut gallery laughing at them and it was a funny little twist in the story but I I don't know I guess with a lot of these I'm left thinking like okay a a charming couple images but like that's the conclusion like I where's the jungly part (laughs) where's the where's the dark unknowables where's the I'm lost and don't know where to go with this person. Where's the, I like, where's it? I just, I don't know. I, I feel like that she reaches a lot with some of these connections at the very end. I agree. This is definitely one of those where the conclusion, specifically the last sentence, right? The same one that you're talking about just didn't, I was just like, okay, that's a bit of, all right, well, I see what you're trying to do, but it's not, it's not uh, developed enough within the the confines of the the essay itself in order for me to make that connection without you sp- explicitly saying it. Well, and even still, I think you maybe had did, done something smart earlier, which is like I, I think I do am treating these very siloed as I tend to treat any essay. Though mm-hmm. I th- don't think this collection's best read that way. Almost, I, the development isn't linear either, but it's like. I do think some of these are better understood with the others in mind. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're kind of doing them a disservice. But also, like, we don't know much about her husband yet. It's They just seem to have met in a charming, kind way, and she seems to have a really good connection with him, and that's it. <laughs> it's just like, okay. And, and on the boat, they were, you know, supporting each other, and, like, just it, he wasn't even really a factor. I don't know. Um I will read some of the some of the imagery I'll get into on 75 when, they're, when they don't know who the invader is yet. Um, it's, it reads... The sun was almost gone, but suddenly we noticed chips of papaya flesh and vivid chartreuse skins falling from the roof into the bay. Someone, or something, was eating and making a mess. The plink-plink of fruit pieces and seeds made the water boil with minnows and tiny turtles. The turtles might even be lucky enough to find a defeated dragonfly or wasp. So I do, I see some of the poetry she's got going on here, and I think, Mm -hmm. again, when it's like, hey, this is a writer who can observe nature, make it kind of approachable, but have still some kind of life and vibrant to it it's not none of it's threatening or scary though i think if she wanted to flip it flip the mood she didn't like i didn't feel ever the threat of the mystery which i don't know if she was going for that but it's instead it's the plink plink and these kind of like the water boil with minnow it's you know that's a great little twist of imagery there and mm-hmm. i but i'm not sure if the mood was meant to make me feel nervous or concerned or something because it's she's so far has not evoked that in me much but i do think that she has nice turns of phrase and and has the kind of poet's eye for just kind of watching natural the natural world happen so i you know appreciated that at least yeah i think that she does really well with the imagery and you can definitely tell that she's um a poet 
by trade um, with some of those images and the turns of phrase. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I did pick up on the fear most m- more so just because I... Um, I don't know. I was trying to think of like bigger picture things and about perceptions and stuff like that as a as a running theme through mm-hmm. these essays. Um, so I I found this one to be perhaps ironic in a way because because maybe I'm reading too deeply into this. But um, so on pages seventy six and seventy seven, mm-hmm. they're too scared to continue eating and they want to retreat because they don't know what these things are and even after the boatman assures them like it's fine they're just monkeys and they won't mess with you it's more you should really just be afraid of the wildcat eventually licking your plates clean like (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. the big fear yeah right but even after being assured of that they it says we finished our delicious meal in a hurry and retreated to our bedroom on the other side of the houseboat we had never locked the the door before but we locked it that night as if the macaques would know how to turn a doorknob and latch Um, and so they're still afraid even after being assured because they're not personally um, aware of these things they're they're not personally um, they haven't done their own research on it and stuff Mm -hmm. which I found interesting considering like her um, childhood growing up where she often felt like an outsider and people didn't know how to treat her and and racism and the way that you treat people who are different from you often comes from like a place of not knowing and not knowing is a place of fear a lot of times for people. Mm-hmm, so right. I, I saw that as kind of like a, a spin on that where people normally approach her in, with fear and with certain expectations and perceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so even though she was assured that these monkeys are totally fine and not at all scary, she still reacts in fear because she's not um, educated on these animals at that point. Same same thing with her husband. So right. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I just found, I, I kind of latched well, onto that irony. There, I only have two very clear thoughts in my mind about your analysis. Uh, the first is, shame about that next paragraph then, huh? What a great reading you <laughs> offered. Shame she doesn't offer the same reading. <laughs> Does she? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> she concludes it in a extremely different manner yeah, uh, than you just did. Uh, and then my second thought would be, like, then where... Yeah, I just don't think she has an interest in writing... I mean, granted, there's some really rough stuff in the collection, but I th- I think when it turns to kind of self have, has there been a lot of self-criticism yet i don't because you're reading not, it in that kind of really. lens of where it's like this is a huge moment of kind of the turning of shame and how she was treated in this outsider way now she's doing that or she's not like responding to a i don't know if we could call this a cultural exchange that feels maybe a little off but it she's not responding to this newness in a perhaps perfectly open way i just i i don't she hasn't been interested in those ideas so far i don't think um yeah i, I yeah. like the reading but i think it's immediately and aggressively discounted by her own writing so i don't know how to you know (laughs) i don't know not sure how to like respond to it but yeah i think that's true it's it's just kind of like with the jungle marriage you know those those early rough jungly times it's just it invites an idea that it doesn't explore and i feel like a couple of these have done that to me and so i'm just left kind of 
grasping for stuff or kind of just enjoying mm-hmm. the, some of the nature writing when I can and also just accepting that she's just going to leave some ideas behind, so to speak. I'm not sure if that's the right way to phrase it, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I don't disagree, but the conclusion, huh? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, feel free to throw your next one out there. Um, so the next one that I wanted to talk about was Cactus Wren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the author is again living in Phoenix in a new house in which her parents plant a lot of things except for cacti, which is a shame because the author really admires the cactus wren, which only lives on a particular type of cactus. Um, she can only see the, the cactus wren when she hikes with her sister and father on the weekends, which is a great activity for her. She really loves that. She appreciates um, and takes the time to admire her father's devotion to his daughters and really appreciates the fact that he like is teaching them things about nature and about how to kind of survive in nature. Right. Um, This is set in the eighties, the time of McGruff and stranger danger. And uh, there's a lot of fear for what she calls the latchkey kids. So kids whose parents both worked. And so they would be at home by themselves until the parents came back. And um, there's plenty of slogans, signs, and even safe houses where they could run if there was a stranger. What the author really saw as a sign of safety in her neighbor's yard was the saguaro. Yeah, I think it's it's a type of cactus, right? Yeah, it's It's a super tall cactus in which the cactus wren makes its home. And so that's what she focuses on is that imagery. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, you. I don't know whether you even knew, like, McGruff and the D.A.R.E. program. I am aware of it. Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, the little cartoon dog and stuff. Um, we did D.A.R.E. Yeah. It was D.A.R.E. and then there was a drug one? Or was D.A.R.E. the drug one? D.A.R.E. is, yeah, uh, drugs and alcohol, alcohol? resistance okay. education. I the think Stranger Danger stuff... D- rings a little true, but I don't think that was... It was mainly the drug, alcohol, tobacco like anti-education yeah. that we we got oh yeah we got a big helping a big midwestern helping of that <laughs> but yeah the mcgruff danger stuff i don't know yeah yeah um that like i i, I i'm pretty close i think in age to this per- not she's a bit older than i am but i think that yeah we're mm-hmm. pretty close um close enough anyway to, so that i get some of these references and i'm like yeah 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 um this one is, uh, um, I, I thought for the theme in particular, I found interesting was the idea of like immortality as children, like the, the complete confidence a child has that nothing can hurt them no matter what. You can teach them anything, but they're like, that won't happen to me. I'm way too fast. I'm way too like <laughs> strong. I'm too yeah. wily. Like just the confidence in that, which... Which is a great contrast to some of the other essays of her childhood that she's written where it's like her confidence is constantly being stripped from her. But at the core, like the the core confidence of a child is just amazing and their belief that they're immortal in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Those last couple lines. Right. They knew how to run on. We knew how to run on desert rocks, how to jump from decorative boulder to decorative boulder to winding bed heavy with smooth river stones in ways that would send a kidnapper falling. We were tough. Each of us so thin and small bone with spine so strong and ready for a fight in case we ever needed to stand and face a shadow lurking over us. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is a nice little 
a nice little passage of kind of childhood. I, I didn't grow up. Latchkey is an expression I only learned later, and I don't. I didn't live that way a lot. Though sometimes we'd walk home from the bus and stuff with friends, and I feel like that was kind of common in my hometown. But it that whole perception of like your parents aren't home when when you get home was. I, I don't remember that being such a negative thing. But you know, I I right. could just be misremembering. I th- I think the stuff about her father here is pretty interesting. On thirty two, kind of builds up his character, quote unquote, as much as he is in, in the story. Where um, and there's a couple interesting things here we can hit on on thirty two. She says, "I never saw any other Asian Americans there at like the hiking spot. I don't know if my father noticed. Perhaps he was too busy pointing out mica edge rocks or oct." Octotillo, Octillo blooms, or the occasional Chuck Wallace skittering behind a boulder, or perhaps he was too busy making sure his daughters knew how to tell time with the sun, or how to avoid stepping on wiggly loose rocks, or how to stay on a solid path. It was one more way we were different from other families in our suburban neighborhood. I didn't know anyone else's dad who took the time to do this with his kids. So it is, yeah, there is this sense of comfort and familiarity. I, it's it wasn't contrasted against her kind of neighbors as much as I thought maybe it would be but I think maybe again I'm leveraging a criticism that is just not it's just a dead end where it's like <laughs> I wish there was more but there's not so I'm left you know just pointing out the contrast as they are um, but it is I, I like that it builds up a little bit more about her father Yeah, the yeah. So she does kind of sometimes in this essay in particular. I think she tries to mention more, like not mention more, but kind of like imply more of the of being different, but still having mm-hmm. the confidence in herself at this point. Because um, in I think the beginning, she says that she was the oldest kid out of the group that came down mm-hmm. out of the bus stop so she's she's 12 and everybody else right. is kind of younger than her right. um and but the commonality being that they were all latchkey kids and that they were all taught the same thing about stranger danger and stuff like that that's what connected them more so it's like in this this particular like type of childhood there's more connection than there is difference which i think adds to the confidence that she feels at the end being young and and she knows, you know, that essentially she's in a safe place, even though she is different um, in that she's Asian American. She's older than the other kids. And her dad teaches her things that other kids don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And I think yeah. if you read it holistically, is not as sort of individual things, but as a, a sort of, you know journal of her life or something like that then i think i'm starting to get a sense of her parents her mom weirdly enough has not had a huge not as personal a section dedicated to her we know about her jobs moving around we know about her role at the hospital the mental institution but mm-hmm. i don't think her has her mom gotten a paragraph quite like that where it's like a little more interpersonal it's a little more maybe i'm forgetting something i feel like there might have been something about them um cooking together or no i might be just imagining things uh i don't know about Nothing cooking, cooking together. Okay. But there is um, the one in, maybe it's the one Narwhal. Yeah, Narwhal that we're going to talk about next. Um, there is a little little paragraph there, I think, like a. But to not show about how the job. Did care. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Any, well, any other, we'll jump to that one next because it, it is what I chose. But any other thoughts yeah. on the Cactus Wren thematically or otherwise? No, just um, I thought it was super cool that they have a decoy, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. yeah, it was. I think again, 
I'm left comparing that to, well, we'll get to the normal one in a second, but then also the first one, the touch me nots, the, the more immediate a connection she has to the creature or bit of nature, the better I, and the more specific the story gets. I, I don't know. It just, right. those work a right. lot more. So let's start with the one I liked least, which is Narwhal then the final one that I pulled. Um, since you, as I mentioned, you pulled a lot of the ones I like, so I was left thinking like, huh, what can, what can I offer to this discussion? <laughs> Just a whole lot of negativity, I guess. Anyway, this essay begins with Amy in the fifth grade moving from Phoenix, Arizona to Kansas. So if you don't know, that's a hot climate to a cold one. <laughs> a big, big change. Both flat, though, you know, but whatever. Um, I guess Phoenix is mountainous. Anyway, hot, uh, hot to cold climate. Um, they follow their mother there because of a job offer at a mental institution. I, is she a researcher, a doctor? I can't really tell. I did she say? I I think she's a doctor, doctor because th- yeah yeah she's she did- like a psychologist, right? Because that's of the type of. Mm-hmm. I think it's an institution. It's a yeah. Yes. Well, and I know early in one of the very first essays, it de- she does dedicate a little bit to how her mom had to endure a ton of abuse from patients and families and people getting yeah. and you know some of it racial racially tinged and all that. So yeah. yeah anyway, um, but I, th- I would say well, let's call her doctor for now. Um, then there's a transition in the essay to discussion of narwhals. Um, these are creatures that are extremely comfortable, maybe too much so in cold and icy conditions. They live among the big ice chunks i guess in the arctic is it antarctic or arctic maybe both i guess at the arctic (laughs) arctic there we go okay so up north which makes sense i guess um and so it talks about their biology what narwhals are like how they adapt to their conditions that kind of stuff um the essay then ends with some reflections on the racist abuse that she had to endure amy did in her school in kansas uh before she and her family head back to arizona that that part is only mentioned though um she does also at the end mention kind of how they survived together in kansas and that they had some good moments too but there's also some of the clearest like hate-filled stuff in this section too yeah so okay i guess i'll go first because i already said this was my least favorite which is interesting because i've said i like the more specific stuff when she has these immediate things about her life etc etc okay yes it's all here i think we get a good sense of the kind of trials tribulations of her growing up i'm on board with it Man, the narwhal connections are, I'm going to be like really harsh, like middle school, my students I've taught quality of connections here. Let me read this transition and then let's try and explore some of these connections together. Um, She ends the first paragraph, when I climbed the school bus steps, I imagined myself a narwhal with one giant snaggle tooth, a saber to knock anyone who asked if my sister and I were patients there at the hospital. Uh, No explanation for that. Just mentions it that that was what she thought and then the next paragraph starts what better animal than a narwhal to blend in with all that kansas ice all the white all that snow and what better animal to hold its own there the narwhal is content swimming and then goes from there so the connection is that narwhals have a big horn so she can defend herself and that they like the cold and kansas is cold like mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing that kind of bugs me she does two pages on narwhal biology where there's a couple of interesting ideas and this is where maybe i'm under reading it so jump in if you see these connections but there were two biological conditions about narwhals that i thought were like pretty rich for metaphorical exploration one is that the violent part of them quote unquote is actually really sensitive and not at all what people think like the, it is a completely incorrect perception of them to think that they have like a sword on 
their head when it's really like a extremely nerve filled thing. <laughs> okay, right. there's a pretty rich twist. Does she explore that idea in this essay to in your reading? Like No. She no. Does and then there's also the idea, I guess, of narwhals let me pull this quick. I don't have my headline on today, I should. The oh yeah, the perceptions of them um it says, like, a corpse, distinctive mottled skin that looks like the spotted color of drowned sailors. And then it talks about their appearances, what they eat. And then, like, the way they eat, it's that they're, like, really creepy or eerie predators. She also then throws the reader in the scene to be like, imagine if they were coming up from you upside down. And, you know, it's like a little Jaws moment or something. So, okay. <laughs> so these are, like, kind of strange, misunderstood creatures that are apparently kind of predatory. Do you think that idea is explored? My generous reading would be like, I guess maybe the kid that she thought maybe she would befriend, but who turned out to be like a racist toward her. Is mm -hmm. that like, but then it, that but, would be the closest. Yeah. But even that reading feels, it just feels like the first thing you'd think of. And I, mm -hmm. I get this. A lot of these essays have read that way to me where I'm like, okay, this is the first idea. Can we go deeper or maybe elaborate or twist some other thing? Like, because again, if I handed a middle school writer that I, who I've taught uh, like a picture of a narwhal and was like, it lives in the cold place. What's the connection to your life? They'd look outside and be like, it's cold here. I'd, and I would say, <laughs> okay, can we, can we do something else? Or uh, I guess that's true. I just find some of these transitions and connections to be just so artificial and really rough like not at all interesting me very kind of again i said slapdash i guess i'll hang my hat on that adjective today i mm. i just don't i'm just not feeling it like it's and the paragraph it this is establishing narwhal biology like writing creatively in kind of a fun kind of loose way about their where they're from the history the naming is a little fun detail the folk story about yeah, it yeah it's like a nice little it feels like fun encyclopedia britannica or something like yeah this is like somebody punched up an encyclopedia and made it you know intriguing to read and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it's like oh it was cold in kansas so i wish i was a narwhal like okay it i don't know I, i'm awfully and again this to me it's like she has no actual connection to narwhals she says and i guess i believe her i'm not like claiming she's a liar that would be a crazy claim she says she would imagine herself as one but like then doesn't explain like well where'd that idea come from do you remember she might not remember but it's just it's like that's not a personal connection at all and so i'm instead left with this essay that it's like she wanted to write something about racist abuse when she was a child this connection feels really shallow and almost made up though again I'm, it's not i she probably did think that um i don't know yeah jump in with any readings that i'm maybe missing because i the tooth thing and the predatory thing i was like ooh, interesting twists on thematic things around perception or like how racism can affect a person or how you can perceive yourself or i don't know i was like both of those are cool ideas uh, neither were explored in any way yeah. that I found interesting or meaningful. So I was just left right. being like, this is it, though? That's It's the cold thing? Like, that's the grounds for compare. That's it? <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, anyway, jump in with... Um, I think the so the two things she was using it as like you know the the defensive aspect of that which but then she goes on to say that actually it's not always you know used right. for that. Um, uh, but also um, I think the the big thing that she kind of focused on or at least that I remembered that she kind of uh, made a point to mention again at the end was that narwhals um, 
are uh, very family oriented. And so mm-hmm. at the end, she says, like, even though they lived far apart, like her dad was in Arizona still and like her yes. mom was mm-hmm. um, not, um, they would contact the dad constantly to to show that even though physically perhaps they were not all together, she referred to their family as a pod. Um, the mm-hmm. pod is still surviving. The pod is still strong. So the the confidence in her family there and the trust the complete trust that she has in her family unit i think was the what she wanted us to take away from that um yeah there's that a connection there's a kind of half paragraph with her sister but it's not there's actually nothing i'm rereading this now about the the chunky she says chunky blonde boy who calls her yeah. says a bunch of racist hate speech to her basically yeah, um flips his eyelids yeah yeah does the, does the yeah some of the yeah. more classic asian stereotype uh yeah. commentary but yeah it but there's nothing about her sister jumping in and then there's nothing about the mom responding to that I don't like. Where's the family protective, holding it together, uh, ness of it all? Because you're right. She does get to the pot idea at the end. It's it's the right. concluding kind of thought, so to speak. Um, yeah, the I mom was outside of the bus though. She was unpacking the car and she was looking into the bus right. windows from the car, looking for her kids. So she didn't no. know what was happening. Uh, and that's where yeah. it's just like. But then it's then it's a question of scope and scale. And like again, I come back to the like, why did you write this then? It. Why not pick other stories about how your mom helped you or how you created that pod like or how your sister, you maybe together fought through some of these? It just I just feel like some of the endings to these are just not connecting at all with what is on the page and getting in and out of some of the science and some of the like biology. And I I think, again, my generous reading is like, oh, well, it's like poetry it's not going to be explained to you travis you dummy like think harder about the metaphor think harder about the tooth or the but then i like do rereadings and i'm like there's nothing in this paragraph there's nothing to connect yeah. that to i don't get i'm not sure where the connections are supposed to be coming from uh, it does feel yeah. a little purposeless at times to me and uh, not purposeless in that she didn't it's not like i can't read it but it's it just feels kind of nailed together or something i'm just not seeing mm-hmm. the transition sometimes yeah. Yeah, I think that the transitions aren't her strongest suit there. Um, I love the two I thing, think- though. God, that was a revelation to me because I didn't know that. <laughs> and as soon as I finished that whole biology of that, I was like, God, what an idea. That's like a great, you know, it's like an unknown because it's an iconic looking animal. And then with such yeah. a huge, uh, again, to me, who knows nothing about biology, very little. Um, to me, it was like such a nice twist and a clever kind of way to misread a thing based on its you know how it looks to you so i just thought maybe right. more would be done with that and it wasn't but shouldn't shouldn't criticize things for what they didn't do i suppose um you want to talk about the husband <laughs> reference yeah so um with the husband reference if we if we think that it's you know of the focus is on the idea of like the family unit and the strength of the family unit later her husband does become obviously a part of that family unit that pod but she's at this point she's not aware of it so like the the contrast between what she sees uh with the the racist boy on the bus and then later the knowledge that her husband was actually like who is also like a a white guy is Mm -hmm. an hour down the road from her and she doesn't know it um so you have this like nice contrast of like where she's you know 
being teased and uh, kind of bullied for something that she has no control over that makes her feel not great and makes her feel attacked versus mm-hmm. the safety that she later feels with her husband just like how she feels with her family I, I like that contrast because like when I first read it I was like why did she mention that her husband and then I was like well obviously she's using that she's using that in order to contrast with the boy the racist boy mm-hmm. and then I was like but why is that important and then I read the last paragraph with the pod and I was like okay I think she's trying to make a connection with the idea of the pod mm-hmm. and yeah. the safety in, in family but but that was really me making like a, a kind of a stretch it, the way that I've, I've well, been reading these essays is yeah. the same that I read poetry which is to constantly ask myself like why is this in here? Why did she do this? So that's exactly how I write or read uh, poetry. <laughs> and I tell my students to read it that way as well. It's like you finish an idea, you finish an imagery, uh, a piece of an image, or you finish a line and you're like, what did I just read? Why did I read that? And that's how mm-hmm. I read these essays. Well, there's a couple strong ones here. She's, she's trying to help you out uh, at the end of paragraph <laughs> and 38. There's two kind of baffling lines. Let's unpack these and we can get out of the story. Uh, At the end of one (laughs) of the paragraphs, this is after she decides, like, she couldn't defend herself. You know, hate hate speech against her. She's, like, very stunned, doesn't know what to do. At the end of that one, it says, "The The narwhal taught me what it was like to see through sound what that boy, someone I would have called my friend until that day, really was. Like... It did what? Didn't him just saying a racist thing to you teach you that? Like, what's... Uh, what is the what <laughs> I just don't get that at all like how did the narwhal teach you anything how is she being yeah. taught by narwhal by like you didn't know what sound was until he spoke racism to, to you that like I, I just don't I just actually do not understand that feels like the most strange again it feels like somebody reaching for a connection to some animal but not I, I just don't I just don't get that line like did, yeah. how, the narwhal taught her how I don't understand. Um, so there's that line I, again. Feel free to jump in on that one. There's the other one though. At the end of the paragraph about her husband, one hour away. Mm-hmm. Her, sorry, future husband. Um, it says, "If only the narwhal could have taught me how to listen for those clicks of connection that echo reverberating back to me." Once again, it's like we have a fact of narwhal biology that is like a baffling. Uh, metaphorically i don't even really get so it's like she should have made this connection or felt the vibes good future vibes or energy from a stranger child that she for an hour like i don't i I get like she's yearning to be like a narwhal and then earlier she said the narwhal taught her I, i guess i'm just confused by what is kind of living in the metaphor and then what is literally true uh it neither feels good to me um it just feels like two different you took two different things that are true about a narwhal and then just thought real quick like how does that how could i just make the simplest one one pencil line connection to it it would be like if someone's like lions eat meat and then i said yeah i eat steak too it just doesn't like i i don't feel like this is fully developed or maybe i'm like really whithing my reading did you think the echolocation i like i get what she means she wanted that she wanted a you know friendly welcoming connection in her childhood which she lacked but why mention the narwhal echo look like i don't know am i misreading it is it as simple as i think is it is it deeper 
did the narwhals teach her how to hear? <laughs> am, I, am I confused by this? <laughs> well, or? I think she's trying to connect it back to the idea of the sound, right? So yeah. the sound of the racism versus the sound of something comforting of another another person in her pod, her future pod. Yeah, so I guess I maybe think that's the, what yeah. she's trying maybe to Maybe the future on. part is throwing me. Because it's just yeah. like, that's not, who knows if you would have had a connection there. So I guess the time part is throwing me off or I'm just like, I don't get yeah. why that would have been helpful or what about it would have helped. So it just kind of, again, once again, I'm left feeling like, well, it's literally what she wanted in the moment was uh, interpersonal safety, a connection with maybe a white person who wasn't a secret racist. Like, yeah, let's, we, we need more of that <laughs> all around. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's a good thing to yearn for. But then, yeah, I don't. Those two ideas back to back, those two conclusions back to back, one feels like so literally not true. I, I'm lost in if it's even metaphorical. The other one feels extremely non-literal and like the, t the temporal switch is like confusing me where it's like, did you want to be buddies with him? Where you narwhals can't see the future. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I don't, that's the part where I'm like, I don't, anyway, it just, and granted, um, I don't know. I think we've read some of these things differently and you've provided some readings I hadn't thought of. Uh, it could be that I'm, I'm doing maybe a little bit too quick a reading or a little bit of a sloppy reading of some of it, but I have been trying hard to, <laughs> to see some of the like emotional, thoughtful connections between these. But a lot of my reading has felt like the, you know, ramblings I just did for a couple minutes where it's just like, wait, what am I, is this as deep as I think it is? Is it shallower? Anyway, I also do think, I'll say again, to me, the essays that have worked best, it's like when she literally is a in an audience of laughing macaques, like, and can connect that to the laughter of Mary, like, it just, there's an immediacy and a simple simplicity that she can kind of poke at there. This narwhal mm -hmm. extended thing feel felt real shallow to me, and, like, also, I think, created some baffling things that I didn't understand, because it's not a thing she has a connection to at all. Like, she doesn't... Right. It's not like she did a school project on it, or a drawing, or had a moment in her life when it... Like, the only thing we get in the beginning is, like, I used to picture myself as a narwhal, where it's like, uh, okay, I guess I'll accept that's true, and then see what you do with it. So, I don't know. I've struggled right. with... This is the one that I think epitomized my struggle the most, because I'm just really left grasping at some of her ideas and wondering like what does this have to do with your life at all like i don't mm -hmm. yeah it feels a little rushed uh let's end with yours though because this was another one that i enjoyed um and i'm assuming you did too but i did yeah well yeah. i've i've generally enjoyed what i've read so far mm -hmm. um so this one is axolotl yeah um yeah. In this essay, we see the author beginning to experiment with makeup, so she's a little older, but she is still affected by the perceptions of others around her. Her friend, a white girl, tells her that red is not her color, that she should do something more subdued, and she does, um, because she doesn't want to be different, to be called out for being different, or to seem ungrateful that this person has taken an interest in her. She goes on to reminisce about a member of her tenure committee years later, Mm -hmm. uh, greeting her with namaste even when she asks him not to she goes into extensive descriptions of how axolotls have unique regenerative properties and are actually dan in endangered though they may look cute and cuddly mm -hmm. and that they are actually dangerous as well um yeah, they're you know yeah. eating eating all eating their meat all sloppy. 
or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> having gross meat meals or something. <laughs> they have little claws, guys. Mm-hmm. And they will scratch you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed this story. I think that she did a good job with, like, kind of making more clear the connections she feels with axolotls. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I was curious about, uh, you know, you've been looking at conclusions first, and I'm going to do the same thing here. The very last sentence, um, it says, and when it eats, what a wild mess, when it gathers a tangle of bloodworms into its mouth, you will understand how a galaxy first learned to spin in the dark and how it begins to grow and grow. Hey, we picked the same line. What do you think that line? last one means? I, yeah. It was, I will, I will dare say, uh, a hyperbolic thing I only half believe. It was the only moment of poetry I found in this collection so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I'm not surprised we picked out the same line. I yeah. Well, I think on its own, it's a pretty striking and fun contrast of a cute little thing that like creates death and kind of has a kind of grotesque regenerative quality to it. She just did a paragraph about how it regenerates limbs. And there is kind of a death-life kind of duality to it all or something. It's kind of a creepy, strange image. Uh, do I wish she connected that to her life maybe a little more directly? Sure, but I've you know said that about the others. And I do think there's some stuff. You mentioned the, like, you know, horribly misguided, again, racist stuff she gets from her colleague? Or what was it, her director or something i forget the title yeah the tenure on the tenure committee tenure committee guy so i think there are some things about kind of like you said perception of a person having an out interior versus exterior but yeah it, it felt like a big reach to me at the end like it did not feel like i mean i enjoyed it a lot but it didn't feel like her project or mission it it seemed it was a rather grandiose idea for what has otherwise been pretty contained within her life and then also within some science that she writes about well um so i don't know i again i enjoyed it on its own merits and thought it was like a good closing bit on the axolotl are you reading it as a good connection to her own situation life how do you read it well i i i do read it as a good part um a good connection to her life except that she she makes a point of saying that axolotls are like despite their sweet smiles and the and how they might seem very calm um on the surface like she does right in these these mm-hmm. stories of of racism against her but that they are actually quite dangerous and can be deadly and can be harmful as well we don't ever see her lashing out at these people or doing anything to kind of combat racism she just accepts it so like i'm wondering if maybe later when she regains some of that confidence in in adulthood will we see more of her Mm. kind of um pushing back on these racist actions and words that's what i'm thinking might happen and i'm kind of hoping that's what's going to happen based on just this essay where she's like comparing herself to like something that seems sweet on the outside but actually can can be quite hurtful and harmful when mm-hmm. when pushed to be so well yeah and the, there's that idea too i already hit on but of regeneration and i don't mm-hmm. th- this is not an essay where uh, you don't have to poke me hard to get me to like leverage this cr- criticism of this book so far but like 
I don't see the deep connection to regeneration yet. She definitely is resilient and obviously endures like racist abuse in this essay, but I don't, the idea of like, she has this whole little meandering bit that I enjoyed for its kind of oddness about her wondering like the lab tech who has to just keep chopping off limbs over and over and just like the creepy kind of, not voyeuristic because it's not sexual maybe, but the, the kind of strangeness of that task and like the coldness it must take to just kind of butcher something like that but then Mm -hmm. just watch it and there must be some inherent respect to that also though of like you're a scientist you must be kind of curious and and want to know more so yeah there's a lot wrapped up in it i i will say that i found the connections to her life maybe a bit shallow or underexplored i don't but i i feel like a broken record saying that it's i i do think there's some things here we could read with the, the the guy in the committee and all that but it's the regeneration stuff, the and the yeah, the whole appearances and really, it's like a devouring, beastly creature, you know, eating, mm-hmm. creating galaxies with its god violence, or I don't know, you know, we could don't want to read that in too goofy a way, but no, it's yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff here. I think this one had some of the the images I highlighted most in my reading were those last couple of paragraphs of her describing its qualities, the science of it, and then some of her final ideas about its behavior too. I thought it was some of the most mm-hmm. memorable writing. Yeah, I this one was in this grouping my favorite. Um, for a lot, because also that's um, growing up and like I said I, I connect on to these essays in, in a way um, because of my own experiences growing up mm-hmm. in kind of a similar way and uh, the the smiling because also as a woman like if you lash out at somebody it's different than if a dude does it right like because mm-hmm. then a woman is like oh why are you being a bitch or why are you acting you're too sensitive you're too emotional mm-hmm. so there's always like a negative to standing up for yourself not always a negative but there's a perceived negativity to standing up for yourself yeah I as think a woman she even has a couple great lines about the because the, the if you look up a Google image search of this creature, it has a stunningly friendly visage, <laughs> like a weirdly, yeah. creepily uh, <laughs> friendly. And yeah, she comments on that too, though, with the, you already mentioned the lipstick part, but the lines yeah. are a mouth, um, her mouth, a mouth that was used to speaking only when called upon, a mouth that stayed shut when you knew the answer because you didn't want anyone to roll their eyes or mutter teacher's pet like they had in years prior. Instead, you wiped off that red lipstick and what with wadded up toilet paper and forced a smile. And then in the next one with her committee member who, um, says the racist stuff to her she also forces a smile and it kind of like creeps up the sides of her mouth because there is an eeriness to these creatures smiles yeah. <laughs> i think it is yeah strangely intense or something no i think she works it in well i i do think for my own i don't know maybe this is part of my own preference too with essays that are going to be intimate about one's life and autobiographical, I guess I just want the connections to be a little more direct. I, maybe she is asking a bit much of, or a bit more of me than I have been offering in terms of like the poetic nature, making connections, like reading into these images and these ideas. I again, I like this one though because I thought the creature was well chosen, and it goes against what I said earlier, which is I don't think she has a personal connection to this thing at all. <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. this one to me read a little bit. I, I liked her writing about it. I found some of the comparisons a little better. But yeah, of course, I'm, you know, my criticism of the whole thing has been like, but yeah, but can I get a couple more stories or can we explore these ideas with a couple more anecdotes or something? It just, it feels like it's it's not done or something. It has kind of an Mm -hmm. unfinished quality, that to me, at least with what I would prefer. Yeah, I I, I guess 
it doesn't bother me that um, the connections are often just like almost sketches mm-hmm. yeah. of the connections that she has in mind for um, these animals and these plants. It's because I guess I'm I'm looking at like there is a general progression overall of like she's going from the past to kind of the present in a in a sometimes non-linear but mostly yeah. linear way. Right, she is um, as she's writing these essays. Um, so I'm I'm looking at it as like these all I'm taking into account all of the experiences that she shared and all the insights that she shares about her family and her experiences and looking at it as like I'm I'm adding it to each revelation about each animal and each plant yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Any final thoughts on that one or anything else to nope. discuss on the ax- axolotl? Again, nope. a creature that everyone listening should google because it's fun. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> and yeah, I'm glad we picked up on that same line. It's yeah, there was no other line to my recollection that read quite so I don't know, grandiose uh, as that one. So, yeah, I, I also... I like that. Grandiose is a good word it, for that. It, yeah, good one kind of wide there. But um, anyway, okay, so those are the ones we've chosen so far. We'll see how the second half holds up to the first. We'll end our part one book club, as always, with a couple segments, quick ones. Let's do the list first. Isn't that what we... Yeah. Haven't I flipped this and just haven't updated yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's make a list. Um, you themed the list, Amanda, so go ahead and set it up, and you can start us off, too. Um, I said the top three nature facts that surprised you because Excellent. she includes a lot of nature facts. <laughs> yes, yeah, and ri- and I would say writes about them quite well too. It's kind of a fun. It would go well with like a Planet Earth style, really celebratory, kind of in awe of nature type of writing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. So my um third one is that narwhals swim upside down and eat by just opening their mouths super wide as they sneak up on their prey. Mm-hmm. It's, it's creepy and you also... Yeah. They swim upside down. How weird is that? You don't you don't think of them as creepy either though. They're like they've got that they've got that benefit that the seal has where they're kind of an amorphous blob looking thing. So you just can't <laughs> yeah. you just can't think they're anything but cute, right? Just intrinsically. Right. They have such a friendly appearance to them. They do. It's just hard mm-hmm. to hate on a creature that looks like that. Yeah. My number three is the now I actually knew what a corpse flower was. I don't think I've ever seen one, and if I did it was so long ago. But I, I knew it of them, but her description of the smell was still instructive. It says that she imagines that it emanates from the bottom of a used diaper pail left out in the late August sun after someone has also emptied a tin of sardines and a bottle of blue tree salad dressing on top and left it to sit there for a day or three. So I <laughs> uh, don't know how that holds up to the science, but the reminder of that <laughs> scent, because I just remember th- hearing that it smelled like death or rotting flesh to attract yeah. like, you know, the carrion things that go for rotting flesh. But that yeah. uh, description I thought was pretty potent. Yeah. And I like nice, blue cheese. Nice, nice word, potent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Unintentional. Unintentional. How about your number two? Um, my number two is that cactus wrens have decoy nests, which I find fascinating mm. because you don't think of animals as being like tricky like that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I found that fascinating. Little tricksters. Yeah. Kind of, can't underestimate nature at basically any turn. Everything we've done, it's already done better and first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Except for maybe um, nuclear weapons. I think we're we're one up on that. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> Do anything in yeah. nature create like is there like a nat- naturally radiating entity? I don't think so. All right, humanity, way to go. That and we invented I'm diet sure coke. We'll find it. So we're one for two. I mean, whatever. We, yeah, you can't always have good inventions. Um, my number two is the entire existence of the axolotl, which we just praise a lot and talked about its charming kind of goofy nature and then violence. I didn't even know that creature existed. So her just bringing yeah. that to my attention and then kind of writing about it like she did, I thought it was so fun and, and really, really yeah. good. That's great. Is that your new favorite animal? Uh, I don't think I could pick any amphibious because I, you know how much I dislike snakes, the kind of wet, slimy, yeah. slithery creatures. I, I'm not really on board, but I think it's, I, I definitely would not own one as a pet. I'm also not really into pet ownership. Uh, maybe one day, but because didn't she say that's how they're basically sustaining them now? They're no yep. longer in nature, but they're pets only. Yeah. yeah, I just, here's the thing. It, it does have such a goofy, friendly look, but I, I want, I, if I had a pet, it would have to be something where I don't need it to look friendly. I need to have a friendship with it. Like, I can't be friends <laughs> with an axolotl. <laughs> it would just sit there and look at me and wait for food. I, it's like I'm building a connection with the thing. It's. I think owning pets that you can't interact with is seriously one of the weirdest things in all of human humankind right now i I truly do not get it like that yeah yeah. i do not get it at all (laughs) so yeah yeah, i'd rather have a friend pet instead of one that looks creepily friendly (laughs) (laughs) um my uh favorite fact is actually also about the axolotl sure um they have never-ending regenerative abilities you can actually crush their bones and they will rebuild it yeah wild um but somehow they're endangered, even though they're, like, almost immortal in a way, right? I know. <laughs> we need to study them How more. How are they endangered? <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, I think if you, yeah, too many predators and too many humans piling in, I think, as she yeah. noted. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, maybe they don't reproduce efficiently, too. That could be part of it. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if mm-hmm. she mentioned that. My number one is the narwhal tooth. Be, not only because I think it was a kind of a missed metaphorical opportunity. Sure, I got my piece out about that. But I also, I always thought it was like a weapon. Instead, it's like a location device and like something that can help navigate and travel. And I think she said it can do some kind of like spearing, but it's not its main purpose. I just didn't know mm-hmm. it was like a sensitive nerve filled. I thought it was just like a big, big bone that had no, <laughs> I guess I just viewed it as a sword <laughs> or something. I don't know what I thought. Yeah. So the whole revelation about it being, you know, like I think she mentioned that it would feel like having a permanent numb feeling because it's because of all the nerve endings and the cold and stuff. Yeah. I was like, man, what a strange thing to think about. It was, yeah. She wrote again quite evocatively about something in nature I I did not know about. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I've actually I knew a little bit about narwhals because my daughter watches um, Octonauts and they did an episode on narwhals. Awesome, nice. Well, she'll yeah. be reading this book in just a couple short years, so. <laughs> You can. She does love anything to do with animals, especially yeah. sharks and stuff. It's good. She's got a good young exploratory mind. Got to keep it. We've got to nurture it. <laughs> <laughs> do our best to keep it. Keep it excited. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Narwhals are pretty sweet looking. They're they do look like they're not real. So credits to any animal know, that yeah. looks like it's fictional or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's conclude this pod, Amanda, by doing our always final segment for part one, which is please continue, make it stop, which is self-explanatory, but it's basically we each pick out something that is not connecting with us so far that we want to stop and one thing that we really like that we would wish to continue i'll just go first because i've given mine away Uh, my make it stop is writing essays 
<laughs> I wrote with seemingly no purpose, which is harsh for sure. I just think some of the transitions and the conclusions are, are kind of rough. And some of the ways she wants to tidy things up at the end have not worked. So obviously she's writing with a ton of purpose. I'm being a little uh, glib there. I, I just think that I would prefer things more hyper-focused or perhaps interconnected in a more explicit way. Uh, I'll just do my mm-hmm. please continue because it's deeply connected. Uh, some of the stronger essays, uh, which I've enjoyed, the cactus one, the firefly one we didn't bring up, the peacock one, I think when she has a literal immediate connection to the thing in her life, it just works way better. Um, the extended metaphors mm-hmm. to me have kind of fallen down. Didn't even mention the vampire jellyfish, which I thought was like pretty also egregiously bad. Like just not just something about the connections are not flying something about the distance maybe the emotionality of it the connections are just feel i don't know they feel forced basically um also the corpse flower i like that one because it's you know has this connection with her husband and now husband and everything and that's kind of a funny idea so i just think more literal and immediate connections that's my please continue i think that stuff is just working better Hmm. um I generally like everything here, so um, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, I'm a bit more forgiving um, with this um, in general, just because I'm, I'm, I feel like it, it, things will be, I'm, I'm hoping anyway, that things at the end will be more uh, clearly connected and will help to connect some of the other ideas maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But for my Make It Stop, um, I actually would like to see illustrations for each of the essays because oh, yeah. I'm really enjoying seeing um, the artist and it's not even um, the author who's drawing these it's a different artist mm-hmm. um, but I, I just love seeing these pictures at the beginning because I have something in my mind especially for like the um, axolotl because very charming <laughs> Right, yeah, it's very charming and also really important to the story that we know what it kind of looks like, right? And mm-hmm. so yeah. um, I, w- I would just like to see more, like each of the essays actually have that um, that picture so that we can go in there and really have a clear idea of, you know, what she is writing about um, in that regard. And then uh, my please continue is that... I, I like that she weaves together her observations of the behavior and the physical aspects of, of the plants and animals that she's that she's um, writing about, especially when those the experiences that she's trying to weave it together with when it really deals with um, the identity issues that she's going through with li- through her life. So mm-hmm. like yeah. if that theme is really clearly put together for me, um, which would be the stories um the stories that i picked out um on this episode actually and and a couple others like i think that that really um stands out to me and i think it's just amazing and i love that yeah yeah i think i would add that as my please continue as well because it's i don't know it feels weird coming off of an episode where i don't i was extremely obviously critical but then again, it's like, what issues is she picking on in her personal life? Like growing up in America as a minority, as an Asian, trying to understand that, trying to wrestle with racist abuse, writing about... So she doesn't dwell on this too much, but some of her connections as an adult woman, harassment, gender differences. Again, that's only come up maybe in one or two of them, not as big. But yeah, th- I it's all worthy. You know, it's like, I, I think that when she's hit on some of the more personal stuff, I just... 
I wish maybe it was slowed down or, or elongated or there's just something about it that is not fully working. Um, and maybe some of the connections, I feel like I've gone on long enough to not rehash them. But I would add that to a please continue too because there have been you know true moments of insight as well. But yeah, we'll see what she picks on in the second half. I am curious as well to see if she abandons some ideas or continues some, see if her mom makes a deeper appearance maybe. that, But, you know, her dad hasn't been in it a ton either. So, like... Yeah. We'll see. Or sister? Kind of a non-entity in the stories. Yeah, we, we know she exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but very quiet. So we'll see if that picks up, too. Any final thoughts on World of Wonders so far? Nope. And I've been ducking the name. I should, I'll should i do it. World of Wonders by Amy ne, um, Nezuka Matatil. Good job. So, sorry. Yeah, I'll keep trying and do better. <laughs> I, I Out of, you know, my panicky quick references i called her amy a couple times so that's that is inappropriate <laughs> i should just call her maybe dr n would be is do you think that's what her students call her does she have a doctorate i think i mean she's a professor so i just assumed but i know that she definitely went through grad school because she specifically oh yeah school. Yeah, I'll, yeah maybe i'll just call her dr n in the next one you know she doesn't make a big scene of it but i i'm i'm like the honorific i'm i'm on board with that so if you finish a phd yeah. you're doctor to me so maybe i'll call her dr n after this <laughs> I nice. had a doctor. Uh, I had a. I had a doctor. I had a professor in college whose last name I was so. Um, it's like I missed it on day one, it, when she pronounced her own last name. So I never heard it and just got so nervous about pronouncing it. I'll actually f- remember this interaction forever because it, I was so embarrassed. I went up to her after one of her lectures to like ask her a quick follow up question about something, and because I didn't know how to pronounce her last name, I just called her professor. So I, you know, walk up to her and I'm like, "Hey, professor, I have a quick question." And she just mm-hmm. turns to me and she goes, "Hey, student, can I call you student?" And I was like, <laughs> "Uh, sure." <laughs> I was like, "So, yeah." And I, I forgot what after that. I forgot what she said, but yeah, she she got me pretty. Good. I was like, man, this is so uncomfortable. Um, also, I think at that point, I probably just called her like Dr. P. Her last name, I think, started with a P. But anyway, long digression at the end. We'll call her Dr. N. Um, and no final thoughts, Amanda, from today? <laughs> nope, I'm All good. All right, there's your Dr. Dr. P story of the day. <laughs> story of the pod. <laughs> All right, well, next week, if you listen to this one, we will be releasing our second, uh, second rather, episode on this book. Uh, again, next Friday, we release all of our book club episodes on Friday, so come check out the second half when we cover the back half of the essays. I don't. Do you want to look up the titles? I don't really care. <laughs> it's the second half, uh, I guess, from Whale Shark to the ending. Um, so if you're reading yep. along with us, make sure you get those read, or if you don't care about spoilers, you can join us for that conversation. At that point, we, as always, thank you again for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. And as always, leave ratings, recommendations on iTunes, Spotify, wherever. We appreciate it and it helps a ton. And until next time, we'll see you between the pages. Thank you.